Dumelangum Zanzi Nolutandungakani here, your head of news over at Healthform Zanzi. Joining me on this podcast, my colleague and co-sister in action, Lucinda Dordley. Hey Lulu, and to our listeners, welcome back to another episode of Sisters Without Shame, a podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. Suffer in silence for who when this podcast is a safe space for your medical shames and woes. Every week, we will hold your hand as we unpack those ever so embarrassing health questions you would not dare ask in public. Have suspect growths and smelly feet got you down? No problems, babe. We got you. Lucinda, I can't believe it's nearly that time where we almost get to close the chapter on 2021. So I swear, girl, this year has felt like 10 years. It's almost Christmas break. But before we breathe a collective sigh of relief, we have friends in crisis who still need a lending ear and shoulders to cry on. Now, as our listeners know, on every episode, we listen to a voice note, read a WhatsApp or email message received from a Healthform Zanzi reader. Remember, your messages are confidential and we will never mention your name unless you want us to. Sans, who is our friend in crisis this week? This week, we have a message from Durban. Anonza writes, Hi sisters, I am a bit of a heavyset girl and often feel ashamed when I allow myself to indulge. I've been on a health journey for some five months now and love the results thus far. The festive season, however, is a bit of a trigger for me. I have not visited my family in the rural KZN in years and I'm a little bit worried about their comments on my body. I am so anxious about looking like the person who eats too much again. One time when I was younger, my cousin watched me make my breakfast and was like, yo, you're going to eat all of that pup, how are you going to eat all of that? Stuff like that gives me so much anxiety. It was dumb because he was way bigger than me anyway, but I felt like I was fat for that. It is a really big trigger for me and often leads to me binging. Pretoria-based dietitian Jason van Eerden joins this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame with insights on how to manage indulgence over the festive season. How can you beat cravings for unhealthy foods this summer? Do you have to completely avoid like festive sweet treats like the plague? <laughs> Look, with regards to the cravings is that, you know, there's a reason why we crave certain foods. So let's look at the main things that we crave. We mainly crave, for example, crunchy things, salty things, sweet things, bitter things. And as well, there's that very interesting term, umami. So basically, you know, if you've ever had knickknacks, that's kind of like, it's a bit of an interesting taste that you get from that. That is called umami. So we basically want to see, first of all, what are you looking for? So, because one of the worst ways we can actually go about it is for us to say, but be strong. You know, if you want something salty or if you want something crunchy, be strong, push through it. That's not the right way to go about it. Especially because holidays, you want to have a good time. We, it's much better for us to go into alternatives. So let's say, for example, crunchiness, you know, a lot of people maybe go to chips. Meanwhile, if you guys make some, let's say, popcorn at home, amazing crunch. A popcorn is low GI, so it's good for your blood sugar. It's high in fiber. And as well, it's quite high in something called phytophenols, which is actually anti-inflammatory. So for example, just choosing a slightly better option for the crunch will be better. Adding a little bit of salt. You can even get like a little bit of salt in there as well. 
So talking about our more our homemade popcorn that we're making on the stove. And, you know, if you want something sweet, having something like, you know, you can, can have, for example, a nice cup of tea. You can then have some sugar-free chewing gum. You can have some sugar-free cool drink. Uh, you know, instead of going to, let's say, the sweets, because then it's difficult. You know, once you open up a packet of sweets, it's difficult to stop. So you more just want to try and find alternatives and, you know, replace it with that. You know, if you want something, let's say sour, have a fruit, right? Those are good options to go to. So that's kind of the, the first thing I tried to say is immediately we try and find a replacement for it as well. The massive thing we want to look at is your environment. So if you have the sweets there and you have been as well, you've got the chips and you've got all those different things, you're going to want to go to that the whole time because it's there and it's going to be tempting. And if you're relaxing, it's going to be there. So my biggest advice that I can give is to say, all right, you know that you're a sweet person. You know that you like crunchy things. Get the better alternatives before you go on holiday or have them at home so you can go to it. So instead of looking at ways to avoid it like the plague, if the plague is going to come, just try and choose your plague and get the better options. You know, pick a struggle <laughs> and just go with it. <laughs> Jason, do you have some practical tips for our listeners who are looking to keep um, consistent in their wellness journeys this season? One of the biggest things that I can advise is because New Year's resolutions, they're coming up. A lot of the New Year's resolutions is that I'm going to either quit smoking or drinking or I'm going to be more productive or I'm going to start gymming or I'm going to follow a certain diet. If it's to gain weight or lose weight, I'm going to get my medical condition under control. But where it normally lapses from there is that it's too much too quickly. Then it normally kind of all collapses on itself. You know, I want to also bring that back to now the holiday journey is to say, you know, we want to sleep better, snack better, exercise, everything. Choose one or two core concepts that are going to be, we call them keystone habits. So choose one or two keystone habits, which is basically going to be your exercise, your diet, and your sleep. Those are the three main ones. And normally a lot of things kind of get fall in place from there. So I would say maybe try and choose one thing from each of that. So for example, even sleep, try and get in the holidays a consistent sleep time. And the reason as a dietitian why I'm talking about this is because if you wake up much later and if you go to bed much later, that affects our appetite, it affects our food. We can feel sluggish, throws out of rhythm. But even your exercise and diet, try and get goals that are going to be just say, practical for you, but only choose something small to start with. So for example, someone might say, I'm going to run five times a week but they haven't really run before, then it would be much better to say, I'm going to go for a walk one day. I'm going to run two kilometers, just something along those lines. It's much more about consistency and with diet. And of course, I'm going to say it's a diet part for last because the dietitian side, but it's going to be things like having healthier snacks available. Things such as to say, I'm going to try and have vegetables at every meal. It seems like such a small change that it normally that is what leads to the success. So that's the foundation of what I want to talk about in answering that. But it all comes down to environment and routines. So I already spoke about environment. But the thing is, if you, in your environment, don't have the vegetables, if you don't, in your environment, have the healthy snacks, you can have these amazing health goals. But if it's not in your environment, it's going to be extremely difficult, especially in the holidays. If you're spending time at family or, you know, somewhere else, you're away from your environment where you might have had a good structure. So you've got to ask yourself, what can I do in this new environment that's actually going to empower me to follow my goals? And it's normally the simplest things, such as I'm going to go for a walk every morning. I'm going to have, let's say, if you want to cut back on sugar, but you like tea and you like it sweet, take the sweetener with you. Because if it's there, it's much easier to do it. 
So that's my biggest advice that I'd say is to just reflect the keystone habits, sleep, diet, and exercise. Start something small and then rather build up. The second part is to look at your environment. But the third part that actually ties it all together on your wellness journey is what is your routine? There's that saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So if you say, I'm going to go exercise five times a week, but you don't plan when you're actually going to go, go for your run. Is it going to be after breakfast? Is it going to be after lunch? It's going to be difficult for you actually to follow that. Jason, why is it risky then to kind of overindulge in the festive season? Overindulge, it's a bit of an interesting one because we've also got to ask ourselves, it depends on the person because I think almost everyone is going to overindulge, let's be honest, you know, on Christmas, it's going to be a big meal because it's a once-off type of thing. It's not really that bad and it's kind of, you know, like culture, you know, we're used to having this big meal. But of course, where it comes in now is with regards to if you've got a medical condition, right? So you've got diabetes or you struggle with constipation and, you know, or if you, all these different types of things. And if you totally overindulge, especially something like, let's say, blood pressure, having too much salt, all those type of things that can really throw you out. So from that standpoint, you know, you really want to be looking at that. I mean, even something like gout, you know that you shouldn't have that much meat and you totally overindulge. I mean, the pain that you get from that can be excruciating. That's the one side of it. But as well, I want to say that if it's overindulging with, let's say, friends and family and it's a cultural situation, guys, that's just having a good time. Let's be honest. So once or twice, it's okay. But if it does become a thing that happens very often, like let's say it's through the whole, you know, every night, it's totally overboard, you know, overeating, then that is definitely a problem. So that's why we want to look at the severity and how often it happens. Other thing is, is that if you're overindulging, let's say with yourself, it can be a little bit different because sometimes you eat more because of your friends and you have an extra slice of pizza. But if you are now in the holidays and you're overindulging because you feel you're trying to fill a void or you're bored, you know, then that then definitely is a problem. So that's what we always need to ask ourselves is why are we overindulging? If it's a once-off social event, it's okay. If it's for a medical event or if you're trying to fill a hole or you're bored, you know, then it's for a different reason. And, and that's where the problems can come in. Uh, but I'd actually love to hear what you have to say about that and maybe throw a question back. Maybe I can go into specific areas, but what do you think about that? Like, as you say, it is very normal, but you know, it obviously is one of my next questions that I actually wanted to ask you about overindulgence. You know, when does it become sort of a bigger issue or is it like linked to some kind of an eating disorder? You know, sometimes when we think about eating disorders, we only think about things like anorexia and bulimia, but we don't think of overeating as an eating disorder as well. Mm. On that, so the thing is we must look at kind of different tiers or different levels. And that is, is that let's be honest, sometimes we overeat because we're bored. You know, we just, we've had a long day, you're watching a movie, you just have way too much chips, you know, so that can just be because you're bored. So I'd kind of put that as like a, a low level, but should I say with regards to concern, especially if it's like a once-off type of thing, but if it becomes a chronic thing, then that's where it more becomes an issue that you need to start looking at. You need to chat with a dietitian or even, you know, if, if it's for a deeper issue, maybe a counselor or psychologist, but so that's the, I want to start at the bottom. So that's boredom. The second level is more emotional eating. I just want to go back to the, the boredom part. It's still very valid. You mustn't say, oh, you know, it's not so bad as the others. It's still valid for you to look at. But the, the thing is, if you're going to emotional eating, because now you've had a rough day, it's almost like alcoholism, right? Is that you say, oh, I've had a rough day, so I'm going to go to alcohol to feel a little bit better. 
you know, I've had a rough day. Let me have a bit of cake. I've had a rough day. Let me have a packet of chips. You can say, but is there maybe a void that you're trying to fill with food? But there's actually two mechanisms why that's very valid. And look, it's very complicated. I'm just taking two common ones. The one is that, especially in someone that's a high stress environment. So they feel like a very, you know, in the day it's very rushing and busy and high adrenaline and on the go type of thing. So you're more in your sympathetic or your fight and flight. It's a lot of action. But when we actually have a big meal, especially high volume, uh, you know, after a big meal, you know, you feel very full and you feel quite tired. One Afrikaans says that saying, you know, tummy is full, your eyes are going to close because you're so tired. But then with that then comes in, then is so some people actually feel very safe then because now they're in a place of this high stress. Now they've eaten this food and they actually feel a lot better and comfortable to say, but I wouldn't actually eat this amount of food if I didn't feel safe. And for some people, it can also be a sign of it. Listen, life is too stressful. You know, you're going to food to actually calm you down. You don't have good coping mechanisms. But look, again, it's quite complicated. This is kind of a bit of a generalization. You'd want to look further into that. But the other thing is, you know, when someone gives you a nice compliment or like a like on Facebook and you feel like, oh, you feel a little bit nice. It's also the kind of dopamine, that, that kind of immediate happy response that you kind of get. Someone says, you look nice today. But with food, it can also have that effect. So it also affects your dopamine system. So there's two main kind of categories with that. So the one is sweetness, not necessarily sugar, sweetness, and as well are more creamy fats. So why is it that in all the movies or why is it that when we feel sad, it's biscuits, it's ice cream, it's donuts. I mean, why that? Why don't we crave a carrot, right? Well, people don't normally go to carrots if they feel sad. But, you know, why are you going for more of those sweet things? It's because that increases your dopamine system. So you actually do technically feel a little bit better. And if you had a bit of a rough day, you have a slice of cake maybe, and you feel like, okay, I feel a bit better, and you kind of go on. That is fine. That's normal. That's fine. It's not a coping mechanism, just like it's been a long day. But where it now goes into the third level, I'm going to jump up from that, is that if it becomes something chronic or if you've had that food and you feel this guilt, we talk about spiraling. So it's, you know, oh, but you know, I've had this cake, I'm trying to lose weight. And, you know, then you try and maybe overeat or undereat. Or some people even purge, they vomit, they'll have this negative self-talk and then they, you know, spiral down and then they eat something again and they feel bad. It's this whole, everything is falling apart type of thing. That can definitely single for a bigger issue. If food gives you fear and anxiety, or you have these deep emotional ties around food, if you go to a meal, you're worried, what's everyone going to say? What am I going to feel? Am I going to feel guilt? Am I going to feel, I need to compensate for this. Can I get away and go vomit? I just feel horrible as a person. Why did I do this? Then that will definitely single out that, look, maybe there is a bit of a, something more complicated. The other thing is sometimes we just have that. Like, let's be honest. Sometimes we'll say, listen, it's just been a bad day. I ate too much. I'm like, oh, but I'm trying to get to my goals. And you kind of feel bad that one time. That's okay. So don't want everyone listening to be like, oh my goodness, I've now got a bigger problem. But if you find that it's happening often, that you often go to food, especially if you're also trying to hide things. Like, let's say you've got your own little sweet box or you're trying to tell everyone you're healthy. Meanwhile, you know, in the kitchen when no one's looking, you're quickly eating more because you don't want everyone else to judge you. You know, those can be the, the kind of deeper underlying issues. It's very complicated. So let me summarize because I spoke a lot. So tier one, again, very valid. We still want to look at it. It's more just boredom. Boredom eating, it's okay. Unless it becomes something chronic, then that's a bit of an issue. 
Then the second thing is to realize that when we have a large amount of food, we can actually feel a bit more safe. It causes us to calm down a little bit. Or when we have a bit of a cake or a bit of a sweet or a bit of a cookie and an ice cream, we feel a little bit better. That's okay. But if it becomes a coping mechanism, you feel that you need to eat a lot or go to sweet and fat to cope, that's the problem. And then the last little bit of it there is that as soon as food causes anxiety, fear, spiraling out with your emotions, then that is definitely a big signal that it would be good to reach out to either a dietitian or to a counselor, psychologist, or even someone close to you that you can trust just to chat about it. But just know it's extremely valid. A lot of people feel, oh, but you know, it's just food. It's okay. It's not a big issue. No, it really can be. It can be a signal that a lot of things is happening in your life and you're using food to cope. So that is basically the three tiers that I'd go into. We spoke about the other question about the risks of overindulging, because I spoke quite a bit, but with the overindulging, you know, why do we go into overindulging? Because overindulging, I think a lot of people worry about it in the festive season. You say, I'm going to be better next year, mm, type of thing. We always leave it for the next year. <laughs> All yes. the risks involved as well. So my take-home message is just because we spoke about a lot of things over here, it is going to be look at your routine. So if you say that you want to sleep better, you want to eat better, you want to exercise more, where are you actually going to put it in? Decide on it. Get an accountability buddy to help you with that. So walk with your friend. Again, it's not about the intensity of how you do it. I mean, that's also important, but it's more about doing it. Um, You know, it's better to walk five times a week than let's say run for 20 minutes once a week, you know, try and get that consistency. And as well, you want to look at your environment. So look at your environment with regards to the food choices that you have going into overindulging. Big mistake that I also see is that sometimes we will kind of skip breakfast and just save up for the big lunch. But then sometimes we're so hungry that we totally overeat there. So, you know, look at your environment, look at your routine, go for a walk that day, have a decent breakfast, enjoy the food, just listen to your body. Say, do I really need the second plate? Think about what is this actually going to be doing for my body as well. So routine, environment, and then looking at your relationship with food and having a good time. And don't just leave it now to say, oh, I'll start in January. Start with small little steps now. That's going to make the difference. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Jason. For more on overindulgence in the festive season, check out healthfromzanzi.co.za. Now, remember, if you are in a bit of a medical jam, baby, send us an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. You can even send us an SMS or WhatsApp to 076-132-0454. We will never blue tick you, babes. I am always guilty of visiting the sweets table more than once on Christmas. I'm not going to lie, Lucinda. (laughs) If the solution to controlling overindulgence were as simple as taking comfort foods out of reach, then why are we still battling with our cravings and desires? Unfortunately, like Jason said, it is not as simple as it sounds. Enjoy in moderation. It will be tricky. I did also love Jason's points of actually, you know, having breakfast before you head over to Christmas lunch. You know, this come hungry vibe. Eat babes before you go. That brings us to the end of episode 21 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Healthform Zanzi. From me, Lulu Ngakani. 
and me, Lucinda Dordley. Have a great week and remember to show us some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.